Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker. We're at the halfway point in this series about the things you need to know about your client's personality in order to connect with them better through your coaching, your teaching, or your creative services. Now, so far, we have covered Enneagram types one through four. We've been talking about their nature, their nurture, and how their acknowledgement languages help you connect to them on a heart level and an intellectual level and an energy level. And it is that kind of rapport that you want to create in your business relationships. Now, again, if the nine acknowledgement languages is a concept that is new to you, go check out my book at powercoachgen.com. Now, even if you believe that the previous episodes about types one, two, three, and four aren't relevant to you or your business because maybe you or your client aren't necessarily those types, go back and listen to them anyway, because I reference all the other types when I'm comparing and contrasting these nuances between the types that really make all the difference in understanding your client and possibly explaining why your client could be a pseudotype. Now, today I'm talking about the Enneagram Type 5, their nature and nurture and acknowledgement languages. I'm just going to say, Type 5s love the nine acknowledgement languages because it makes heart connection logical. You want to make sure you download this entire series. And if you're a Type 5, you probably already have. But if you're not a Type 5, but possibly have a client that you think might be a Type 5, or maybe you want to attract type fives with your marketing into your business, then this episode is going to help a lot. Let's go ahead and get started. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, creatives, and educators like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. 
get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so let's get down to business. I love type fives, not just because my mom is a type five and my son is also a type five, and even my favorite co-teacher on the planet back when I taught in a classroom is a type five. But because type five is the type seven's security number. So when I'm at my best hanging out with type fives, I enjoy their company so much and I love working with them so, so much because they are the vibe that I am striving for. And they just really make me feel good about myself and about life. Now, despite popular belief, not all type fives are nerdy introverts or antisocial and not all antisocial nerdy introverts are automatically type fives. These are stereotypical behaviors of the type five, which we're going to be talking about in this episode. But just because your client is behaving like a type five, it does not mean that they are actually a type five. And if you haven't listened to episode 13, which was the type one episode, I explain a little bit more on why it is important to understand this one thing above anything else if you truly want to be able to help your clients. As a coach or a teacher or a service-based provider, your job is to be observant and to be a good listener, which can be kind of tricky if your client isn't very loquacious as sometimes a type five can be. And sometimes if you know just the right questions to ask, you've opened up the floodgates and you need to be able to manage all of the information that's coming at you. The fundamental coaching skill of listening and observing. Now, these are skills that come pretty easy to a type five. So when you're working with a type five, it's the art of asking questions that is so critical so that you can have a productive session, so that you can have a productive discovery call. Now, remember, when I use the word coach, I am talking about the set of skills. I'm not necessarily talking about the title of being a coach. Because you don't have to be a coach in order to benefit from solid coaching skills. And if you want to be a leader in your field, all leaders have learned these skills, not just to connect to their audience, but to be able to empower their audience and have them be able to connect to themselves. That is such an amazing skill to possess. And knowing the Enneagram and the nine acknowledgement languages has been the most single holistic and integrative approach for me to be able to develop those skills in myself and to help my students. Now, if you want to be able to help your customers, your clients, or your students, you're going to have to learn how to ask the right questions because this is the primary skill of a successful business owner, no matter what field you're in. And no matter if you have coach in your title or not, the nine acknowledgement languages makes this so much easier because if you know your client's Enneagram type, then you're able to tailor your questions to what matters to them. And not just on a surface level, but on a subconscious or even an unconscious level, that hardwiring that they're not even really aware that they're doing it. But if you don't know for sure what type your client is, maybe they're a type five, maybe they're not. 
I have a bunch of questions that can get you started in your coaching sessions or in your discovery calls that's going to help you build that rapport and help you understand your client so that you can help them make progress. And it also usually helps you narrow down which type they could be, even if it's not a typing session. So stay tuned. I'll be sharing more about that later on. Now let's go ahead and start talking about the Enneagram Type 5. Now remember, Enneagram types are based on motivations and not behaviors. And just like I did with all the other types, I want to break these down into the two categories of surface motivations and core motivations. The surface motivations of the type five is to know, <laughs> just to know. And it's not necessarily to become a master of any one particular topic per se, but it's to be able to know it well enough that they're comfortable to participate in an activity that's associated with that topic, even if there is no desire to actually participate in that activity. A type five might study swimming and possibly know more about swimming than an actual swimmer, like the technical things, but never actually swim. They may know so much about a topic that to the general public, we go to them as the expert, but type fives rarely see themselves as the expert. They're just doing their due diligence to be able to understand something. Sometimes they are labeled as the researcher or the investigator, but these are all really just pointing to their surface motivations. So let's get into the core motivations of a type five. Their core desire is to be factual. They want to know the truth. They don't want to be ignorant of the truth. And when they don't understand something, they tend to withdraw. They tend to observe or research until they gain that confidence that they do know the facts, that they do know the truth, like what are the rules, what is the protocol, what are the consequences, or if they're going somewhere, what is the layout, like where are the exits? <laughs> Withdrawing and being alone helps them think more effectively and more efficiently. Because if you were to look inside the mind of the type five, they have rows and rows and rows of filing cabinets of information in their brains. And they are constantly organizing and reorganizing that information. But type fives are just as driven by their core fear of being depleted. And I think that this is what really sets them apart from pseudo type fives or nurtured type fives, which we're going to get into in just a little bit. It's their core motivations and their stress patterns that are hardwired to constantly be conserving their resources so they don't get depleted. And this might look like their energy, their time, their money, like the big umbrella of categories. And these are the things that they tend to be, for lack of a better word, stingy. They can be stingy with these things. And it's not because they don't have a generous heart, because they absolutely do. But this fear of depletion, the fear of running out of something, is embedded in their psyche and it unconsciously takes over their thought processes. So this is why they can sometimes look antisocial and why they can look nerdy or introverted or sometimes they're collectors. They'll stock up on things or hoard things because they need backup of items. Now, like I said, my son is a type five, and this is definitely something that we had to do for him is we always had to have backup items of clothing that we knew he liked. They wouldn't stress him out. 
they fit. They were the colors that he liked. They didn't have pockets. They didn't have buttons. <laughs> and we always had to have backups of his favorites. And even for his birthday, his brother bought him a new monitor for his computer. And his first comment was, oh, now I have a backup. <laughs> but these behaviors for the type five, these are all rooted in this fear of depletion. And the nine acknowledgement languages helps you recognize this and other key dialects that your client might speak. And what that does is it guides you on the kinds of questions that you need to ask that makes your client feel validated and more empowered and feeling like you're going at their pace so they don't feel rushed and they don't feel overwhelmed, which might cause them to retreat. So as their coach, you must give them that safe place to be able to share their thought processes and really feel understood so that they'll open up. Otherwise, sharing isn't going to be worth the effort because for type fives, they're perfectly happy staying in that inner world and thinking for themselves, just getting information from you and then assimilating it internally on their own, which that sounds like a great skill, but that is also where their blind spots are too. So if they are not sharing with you, how will you be able to hold that mirror up to them to show them their blind spots and where they are getting stuck? Now, just because you might enjoy a little alone time, or maybe you might have hoarding tendencies, or maybe you're a professional Googler, <laughs> this does not necessarily mean that you are also a type five. You could be a pseudo type five or a nurtured type five. So let's go ahead and start talking about that. This is when your client is behaving like a type five, but isn't actually a type five. And this can happen for several reasons. Some of the same reasons that we've talked about for the other types, types one through four. So let's first start with the Enneagram symbol. All the types that are connected to the type five on that symbol is naturally going to resonate with some of these behaviors that I've been talking about that are associated with a true type five. So let's start with the wings. For a type four that has a five wing and is motivated by being different, a lot of times they will speak out about truths that other people might not be willing to speak out about, sometimes the more controversial topics. But unlike a true type five, a type four is going to have fewer emotional boundaries. A type six with a five wing has that same desire to have certainty and to have truth that a type five does. But type sixes think better in the presence of people as opposed to the type five who thinks better when they are alone. A type eight in a stressful moment will withdraw to do research on something that's possibly making them feel weak or making them feel out of control. And a type seven, that's me, when they're integrating with a type five, start becoming okay with settling down or taking their time to think through some things and being a little less emotionally impulsive. Your client might also be a nurture type five if they have been influenced by someone with similar behaviors. I believe that since I have a mom that is a type five, that that is why I tend to be more introverted. My Myers-Briggs is an INFJ. And that's kind of an odd combination with a stereotypical type seven. Now, it also might be a trauma response to being told you weren't smart enough or you didn't know enough. And so then 
you or your client begins to overcompensate for that feeling, or they may continue to feed the lie that I can't start anything until I know everything that I need to know about the thing. <laughs> and lastly, it might also be a medical condition, like a person that has a sensory issues, especially avoidant sensory issues, or autism, or just general anxiety, they might also behave like a type five. I said before that my son is a type five. He also happens to have autism. And it's always so fascinating to me to be able to watch him and observe him and look at what part of his personality is his autism and what part of it is his type fiveness. And being able to distinguish that and really understanding the, the uh, nine acknowledgement languages has greatly improved our communication because now I know how to give him the space to be able to express himself. Now, as far as mistyping goes, there have been times when I have actually questioned if my husband is a type five instead of a type nine. And whenever I've asked him, like, that's very type five-ish. He's always pretty quick to enlighten me on the nuances between him and my son that are more indicative of a type nine versus a type five. For example, they can both be withdrawn, but the best way to describe it is that fives have more energy than they think they do, and nines have less energy than they think they do. <laughs> Therefore, fives are more likely to not participate in fear that they're going to expend more energy than they have. And type nines will go, 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 and not have the energy to do it. And as soon as they sit down, they are out like a light. The difference, again, is explained by their core motivations and the default stress patterns, because it's so important to really understand behavioral patterns, because the growth path for a true or a natural type five is completely different than that of all the other types that might just be behaving like a type five, but they have their own core motivations. Now, an example of this, my son, who's a type five, his growth number is a type eight. And my husband's, who is a type nine, his growth number is a type three. So when it comes to messaging in your business, some of the type five problems that you can solve are going to be around the access to information. You're going to want to use that kind of language to reflect that. So let me give you some examples. You might say, Lifetime access to our growing library of resources. That's really going to appeal to a type five. Or explore the course at your own pace, and then you can become a master of the Enneagram. Now, I said earlier that they don't necessarily want to be a master of the Enneagram, but they want to have access to the information to where they could be a master if they wanted to. Another example might be have all the answers that you need right at your fingertips, or Here's a good one. Access and update the wiki because wikis appeal to type fives because they get the information, but they can also contribute information from their filing cabinets inside of their brain. If you have any questions about this or you want specific examples of how you can handle this in your own personal situation or with a client, I want to invite you to join us in the Unbox Your Personality Facebook group. I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. The acknowledgement languages for the type five help guide you as the coach 
to really understand your type five client and what gets their attention that makes them feel like it's going to be worth sharing what they know with you. Understanding those dialects for the type five gives you insight about their limiting beliefs, where they are getting stuck, and you can help them see how they are self-sabotaging their progress and make it clear and make it logical. That way they can climb out of the box. When you are able to help them manage that fear of stepping up, then you're going to really help them move forward and make the progress that they're wanting to make in their life, in their business, or whatever it is, the problem that you solve for them. Otherwise, they're going to keep finding themselves procrastinating or putting things off. And because of that, they're going to be full of anxiety. And that is stressful. And it doesn't matter what type you are. Everybody will agree that chronic stress sucks and is what keeps us in our boxes. Now, you have the power to alleviate your clients' stress by helping them feel competent and helping them move forward no matter what pace they choose to go by. And when they start recognizing that slow and steady wins the race, they're gonna start opening up to unbox themselves and then they can unleash their power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.